This is a podcast about betting on sports, which is something you can do to try and make money. One important thing to know is that this podcast is not going to be the reason you get rich off sports betting. To repeat, we are not going to get you rich. Their sleazeballs abound all over the internet who will be happy to take your money to chase down that lie. Here, at best, we might make you a little bit less awful of a better if you're lucky. Bet at your own risk. Don't bet more than you can afford to lose. And Godspeed, welcome back to the Jay and Silent Rob podcast. What episode are we on, Jay? Uh, it's 21. 21. Yeah, that's what we wanted to get to because uh, it's blackjack related. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. And a good movie. It is a good movie. True story, by the way. Love it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we promised you a live podcast and we lied. Um, that's Rob's fault, of course. Mm-hmm. And uh, a little bit of a hiatus. I think our last podcast we wanted the Super Bowl, in which I provided uh, a sweep of the board. Uh, so yeah, I think this is your fault, Rob. But uh, we continue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, we, I promise. I promised a lie. A lie <laughs> podcast is what I said. So then we're just not recording. Yes, but uh, you know, I've I've uh, battled gout. I can battle uh, a line. Uh, podcast host. It's just right. my struggle. <laughs> seafood guy. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Seafood, red wine, alcohol. Who me? <laughs> Anyways, uh, we we saw each other two weeks ago. I appreciate you were a gracious host. I had a great time in uh, fabulous Phoenix, Arizona. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where we're supposed to do our live pod. I forgot to bring my microphone. It happens. It's the off season. We're sorry, we're rookies. We're rookie podcasters. We're getting better. We had today, a but we had a lot to do. We had to catch Vanderbilt versus uh, what was Cal it Poly. Cal Poly San Luis Obispo in college baseball. That was like yeah. kind of a critical thing that we just had to prioritize. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, but yes, it's great to be back. It's great to be. Uh, speaking of that, it is going to be a baseball themed show. We're going to do what's called technical analysis. Uh, we'll get into more of that, but we're going to focus mostly on that. Just kind of overarching, getting you back ready for baseball season. Uh, briefly, briefly touch on college basketball. Not too, too much. Uh, that's going to be the next two podcasts with the tournament ramp, uh, ramping up here soon. We're going to do a big one for that. Uh, but yeah, we it was nice just to be outside watching baseball. I know, I know you uh, you're thinking about moving to the East Coast, Rob, but mm-hmm. for us East Coasters. Um, you know, just being outside and it being sunny is just is just a great way to spend some time in February. Um, but yeah, anything new in your life other than uh, getting engaged and maybe moving to the East Coast? No, dude, just really, really evaluating, you know, neighborhoods in Boston. Excellente. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, you're, Rob's not moving to the East Coast, but I, I I want this joke to continue. So please, please tell a friend. Uh, but yeah, all right. So what we're gonna do here is is technical analysis. So the last two years, this is probably where I've learned or improved, I should say, as a handicapper the most is understanding kind of how to read the market and and kind of just take what the market is giving you and try to infer things and, and connect dots from that. So with baseball, the biggest thing you need to know about bet- betting baseball is there are a a lot of games in baseball. And 162, if you're if you're keeping track, and baseball in a single event is extremely extremely random. Um, obviously, very geared towards pitching, um, 
a lot of variables in terms of the batters who only participate usually three to four times in a given game and with a wide variety of outcomes and a limited amount of time for them to show their skill where the pitcher gets a lot of times to to demonstrate their skill but of course they only play a certain amount of games usually four to five uh, or a different pitcher in those four to five games in the rotation obviously more with bullpens but but long story short baseball is a a very long game and b on an individual level a very random game uh so i do not personally bet baseball day in day out it's just not worth the uh time it takes for me very labor intensive. Uh, there's so many analytics out there. There's so many people way more intelligent than I that can really kind of eke out a value for that. So that's not where my circle of competence is. My circle of competence is more in big picture, connecting the dots, kind of like reading into uh, the tea leaves, if you will, in terms of general manager comments, uh, owner comments, um, you know, trades, people, uh, teams are making things of that nature. Uh, and really where we kind of capitalize on that is with these over-under bets. So I'm going to share with you a couple I'm leaning towards. There's definitely a couple I'm going to bet. Uh, if I bet any more, I will I will tweet them out and talk to uh, or mention them in, in upcoming podcasts. But, but as always, this is more about the process rather than just the picks, just kind of like the understanding of it. So we're going to go kind of division by division, uh, kind of just give the over-under on each team. And I'll just give like a brief note on each team. And if there's a bet I like one way or the other, or maybe just an angle, whether I w- I'm going to bet it, but just could potentially bet it or want to talk about it, I will uh, mention that. And then, Rob, you can feel free to uh, make any comments uh, that I deem appropriate. If not, do not open your mouth. And mm-hmm. But, yeah, before we get started there, Rob. Yeah, any before you dive into actual teams, divisions, and such, any technical notes on like the process of betting specifically in baseball, how it might be different from football or basketball. Maybe it's uh, how you shop for the best odds. Maybe it's different like research or sites or whatever. Yeah, as far as sites, it's pretty pretty much the name of the game is you want to have as many access to as many sites as possible. It's just like um, you know you're trying to if you if you could only buy gas from one guy station uh you're you're going to uh, inevitably you know very rarely get the best price but if you have access to more gas stations you're going to get uh you know the better price uh and, and you know a lot of the times you can get a game or two different you know so let's say what teams at one book you know there if you want to bet the under and you can bet at 82 games one place you'd rather bet that than 84 games somewhere else or, or excuse me um let's say 80 games somewhere else you get the two extra games um, but yeah, the, the, in terms of that, that's the same. I would say the biggest difference is embracing randomness, uh, and that's not with these over/unders. The only in in game sometimes that some offshore sites I've seen put up uh, mid-year over/unders is during the All-Star break, uh, which sometimes we'll look at. But usually over/unders they're done uh, once the preseason starts. I don't bet a lot of futures preseason in terms of futures where i don't mean the regular season win totals i mean futures like to win the pennant or to win the world series i usually take what the market is giving you as kind of like gospel and then wait for that team to have a downswing so that's exactly what they did with the nationals last year they got off to a really slow start first two months and books are just slow to adjust because there's so many games um and there's so many sports books out there you know the, the sharpest books, the best books, will adjust game to game, but inevitably one of the 
books won't adjust, especially in April and May, because there's NBA finals going on. There's NHL finals going on. There's the NFL draft. There's, you know, tennis, golf, other things going on. Whereas in July and August, there's really not that much going on. So baseball is at the forefront. Um, so the biggest thing I would do is, is, and this has happened a couple years ago. I think the Dodgers got off to a really slow start and, and they were one of the preseason favorites. And then right around late May, I know people, I, I didn't take this bet, but I know some people took, took them like 20, 25 to one. They went to the world series. Obviously they didn't win it, but you could hedge out a lot of money. The nationals last year, myself and, and a lot of other people I respect, we took the nationals. Um, I think I took them in early July, but, but I had people in late May, early June talking about it. Um, so yeah, I think that's a really good way is just waiting for these inevitable slow starts and just a lot of it's just randomness. A lot of it could be, you know, maybe they're waiting for a prospect, whomever it might be, but a lot of it is just utterly random and, uh, kind of wait for them to have a good week, two week stretch and then, okay, then hop on board. Uh, but yeah, that, that's pretty much the way baseball differs is where you kind of use the, the length of the season to, uh, you know, to your advantage. Also using the playoff system, which means just all you need to do is get a team in. So for example, the nationals last year, the Braves got off to a huge start, pretty much no way the Nats were going to come back to clinch the division, but the Nats got the wild card. The wild card is just one game. So essentially all they got to do is win one game. Then, then all the advantage most of the advantage of winning a division or winning your division is gone. The only thing you're missing is, is home field advantage, but home field advantage is only a 4% edge. So it's really not that important. Um, so, you know, and that's when the wild card and because baseball is so random in a small sample size, the, the wild card games, one game, the division round is only five games. It's only the, the, uh, championship series in the world series that are getting seven game series. Uh, so you're kind of embracing that randomness. So that's really the biggest difference with baseball. Uh, but, yeah, there's probably good points to bring up uh, before we get started with teams. Anything else before we get started? Shit, sorry. Muted. Let's do it. All right. So starting with the uh, AL East, of course, uh, Baltimore Orioles, uh, they're terrible. They're, they're bad. Uh, they're tied for the lowest win expectation in the majors. Uh, they're kind of year three of a major rebuild. They have 56 and a half wins. Uh, gone in my head, I, I would just say under. They they cut their two best players from last year. Uh, Dylan Bundy, who I love so much. They traded him, and they traded uh, Jonathan Villar to the Marlins. Uh, they, just, they have no incentive to win this year. I don't understand how you can put money on their over. Boston Red Sox, actually, they just brought on their uh, the ex-Tampa Bay Rays, like, vice president. Great, really great mind. Um, but they are kind of taking a step back, as evidenced by the trade of Mookie Betts. Um, their over-under is only 83 and a half wins. So that's just one and a half game above 500. Um, there's still a lot of talent on this team. They have a really good farm system. They're kind of taking the Yankees method from a couple of years back, which is, hey, we're going to just use our – yes, we have a capital advantage and we can go after free agency, but let's just save our capital, build our, our international talent pool through drafting, scouting, and then once we hit our kind of sweet spot, then pounce and and, and uh, use our, our capital advantage as well. So they're, they're kind of taking a step back this year to take a major step forward in a couple of years. Uh, the Yankees the, – the Yankees are the best team in the AL. No doubt about it. They just signed Garrett Cole. They had 30 guys on the disabled list last year, and they still won 103 games. 
I mean, this team is stacked. I, I mean, they're just they're they're great. If this team goes on a, a you know some sort of like major slow start, I will I just will put a lot of money on the Yankees because they they will be here come October. Um, the Tampa Bay Rays, uh, they they're the team I think benefits most by the Red Sox taking a step back. Their over under is 90 and a half wins. Um, last year they won 96 games. Just a very well run organization. They have one of the best, if not the best, farm system in baseball, which just gives you so much uh, margin of error when it comes to injuries, things of that nature. Um, this team, the way I, I like to bet this team is, is only I've only seen this offered in two places in Vegas, uh, but you can bet this two different ways. One is you can bet a team to make the playoffs, and Tampa is a team I would like to to bet to make the playoffs because that means you know they're not going to you know, win the division more times than not, their division odds are like four to one. So that's implying that they're only going to win about 20% of the time, the division, but because the, and it's all just to do with the Yankees being so damn good, but they essentially only have to be as a top five team in the AL. And I think they could very easily be the second best team in the AL behind the Yankees and really the third best team in, in baseball behind the Dodgers and the Yankees. Um, so that's a bet that you can make a bet. I even like even more is there's a bet in, in, uh, the Westgate in Las Vegas where, um, you can bet them to win the wildcard game at four and a half to one. So it's a really weird proposition, but it, the wildcard game is a one-off, you know, first round of the playoffs. They're going to be in that game, you know, probably 60 to 70% of the time because they're only going to win the division 20% of the time. Um, they're going to make the playoffs, you know, probably 60 to 70% of the time, you know, or probably 80% of the time. So that means they're going to be in that wild card game probably 60 to 60, you know, five, 70% of the time. They're only going to miss the playoffs probably 10 to 15% of the time they get in that playoff game. There's no way they're an underdog. And if they are, it's probably like break even price. So you could just take the other side and, and get uh, two to one profit off of your bet. So, um, yeah, I, I will be betting that for them. I really like that, uh, that bet. And I, I just really like the organization. You know me, uh, Tampa, Tampa and the Oakland A's are probably my two easiest teams I can to root for. Uh, lastly, the Toronto Blue Jays, uh, this is kind of year four of a major rebuild. They have Vlad Guerrero Jr., Craig Biggio's son. They, they have, uh, a lot of good young talent, uh, but they really just don't have incentive to make a push for this year in terms of, you know, signing guys at the trade deadline, things of that nature. They're over under 74 and a half. Um, they, you know, they're not going to compete this year, but they're probably a year away from, from making a real run at things. Uh, so just kind of looking at the AL East as a whole, I would say that the Yankees are, are, you know, clearly going up. The Rays are going up. Um, Orioles going down, Red Sox are going down. As far as a play, if I had to take an over/under, I would take the Rays over. Uh, and honestly, the Yankees even at 100 wins, I I don't think that's the worst play to take them over. Uh, like I said, if I had to have to do an under, I'd probably do the Orioles. Um, but the only bet I'm 100% making out of this division is the Rays to make the playoffs and the Rays to um, win the wild card game. Uh, moving on to the AL Central. So the AL Central is the worst team based on last year's wins and the expected over-unders. They're, they're the worst division in baseball. Um, so the White Sox, uh, starting off here, they only won 72 games last year, but they are projected to win 84 and a half. 
that's for two reasons. One, they've been rebuilding for about four or five years. They have loads and loads of talent. Uh, they made some additions this offseason. They signed two pitchers, um, Dallas Keuchel and Gio Gonzalez. Uh, they got a new catcher, uh, Grandal from the Brewers. And I mean, I, I love when you improve at the catching position, especially a defensive catcher, because that, that makes your pitching staff better as well. Uh, yeah, th- this is a team, not only are they getting better, but their division is terrible. Um, and we'll get to some of the other teams. Um, but essentially, they're the only team with with the direct uh, improvement, if, if you will, in terms of the, the way they're going. Uh, we'll get to the Twins in a second. But the Indians uh, are still a talented team. They have 85 and a half wins. Uh, they won 93 games last year. So their expectation going into last year was 91. They um, won 93 games. Now back to our division part where you only, you only, uh, excuse me, you play 47% of your division against uh, during the season. I believe they won 18 and two against either the Royals or the Tigers last year. So they were like 90% win rate against one of the, uh, one of the worst teams last year. So they really beat up on that team. If you took that team away, they'd be like a 500 uh, team. Uh, the Indians, for the second straight year, have not been adding. They got rid of uh, uh, Kluber, one of their aces, even though he didn't have a great uh, year last year. It's just it's just one of these small market teams. They just they're on the downswing of, of their window. This is probably their last year of, of competing. But let's say I get off to a slow start. They they have incentive to trade off some of their superstars like Lindor, some of those guys. So um, their their direction, their their arrow is pointing down. Uh, the Tigers were the worst team in baseball last year. They had 47 wins. They're expected to to win 56 and a half. This is one of those where I, I'm not touching this, but if I had to, I'd take the under. Uh, the Royals, they have the fourth lowest win expectation at 64 and a half wins. Uh, they won 59 games last year. They have the fourth lowest win expectation, and they get to play the Tigers 19 times this year in terms of being in their division, and they're still the fourth lowest. So it just kind of shows you how, how bad they are. And the Twins last year, they won 101 games. They were only expected to win 84, so that's 17 games above expectation. Um, this is still a good team. They added things, Josh Donaldson, some pitchers as well. Uh, they're rejected at 92 and a half wins this year, but it, it's not out of the realm of possibility for some aggression to get in. They had a lot of things go their way last year. Um, so yeah, as far as the AL central, I, I like the, the white Sox. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to do the over cause I think 84 and a half is kind of high. I, so I want to wait for some analysts that I respect to, to talk more about that and see what that number does. But if, if I had to bet, that's the one I would I'd kind of circle right now. Uh, if the Indians didn't have Terry Francona as their manager, I would take their under, but I have a lot of respect for him. Also, I think getting rid of Trevor Bauer's crazy ass is, is a good thing as well. Uh, but, yeah, anything out of the first two divisions there, Rob? Yeah, so you mentioned a bunch of these about comparing kind of 19, 2019's over under uh, and then their difference on this. And you put this on a spreadsheet that hopefully you'll publish or, or the listeners can see somehow. But it sort of seems like when you look at teams that outperformed versus underperformed last year, it feels almost – it feels like there's a story there for each of them. Like the uh, – and of course, you and I have been talking about baseball since, what, 2009. So I'm aware of like our personal preferences, but like the A's, the Rays – uh, as as outperformers to the over under is it that simple can you go with like the clever franchises 
and just kind of across the board be like, yeah, um, they keep, you know, the betting markets keep expecting the A's, for instance, to underachieve. Like if you had taken the A's over for the past decade, um, how would that right. come out? Right. No, I, I had a, uh, a sports better tell me once, uh, you know, when you're betting a team, especially with these season long bets, you know, you're betting in the organization as well. So, for example, like football season, my biggest bet of the football season or one of my biggest bets of the football season was the under for the win total of the Redskins just because I know how dysfunctional of an organization it is. So it's like it's not only that I, you know, technical analysis, I'm looking at everything. I like the under based on this. It's just I know in the future when there are critical decisions to make, this franchise will fuck it up. And like conversely, like you're saying about the Rays and some of these club franchises, it's like I know they're going to be as efficient as possible because they have no margin for error and they have to do this. So absolutely, 100 percent, you you have to factor that in. And I mean, that, that's everything from ownership to general manager to scouting. Uh, yeah. And that's one of the reasons I love this side of it, because you have to kind of put your yourself in their shoes and say, oh, do you agree with some of these moves? Or like, why are they signing this guy? Like, well, this is the third or fourth free agent pickup they've had that just doesn't make any sense to me. And it's it, it very much is a skill. You know, you kind of pick up on it, the patterns and whatnot. And, and you, you know, you start reading these articles long enough and you, you know, you start seeing the fluffy propaganda pushing beat writers and then you see some of the sources that are more blunt and more trusted and, and you kind of pick up on those patterns. So, yeah, I think that's a that's a very good point where you do, um, you know, kind of look at these these GMs and the plan in which they're doing. I remember a couple of years ago with Theo Epstein when he came in for the Cubs initially and they were like one of the first teams to be like, hey, we're doing this so that in four or five years we're going to be good. And. It was kind of like just some people, you know, were like, well, that that's that doesn't really make any sense. But other people, you could you could see the process in which they were doing that, and that's why we've seen the last couple of years. This is becoming more mainstream, where teams are taking these approaches, where all right, we're going to take one step or two steps back, so that you know, two, three, six years from now, we're going to be really competing. So you're seeing teams like, for example. The Tigers last year winning 47 games. That's like one of the lowest of all time. The Orioles the year before were right around that. And conversely, the Astros last year, 107 games. I think we had four teams win 100 games last year. That was like the first time I think that ever happened. So we're seeing a wider range of outcomes because essentially tanking is being embraced. Uh, and we'll get into my best bet, if you will, my favorite bet when we get to the National League, because I think I've identified a team that's in year one of being like, yeah, we're going to be fucking terrible and we're not even hiding it, uh, where I, I don't think the market has catched, caught on to it yet. But, yeah, I think that's a really good point there. Uh, and I'm glad you brought that up. Dig that. The other piece is the 2019, I guess, season beginning over under for the Yankees is 97 wins. The 2020 over under is 100.5 wins. Not all that much has changed for them other than one uh, tall UCLA pitcher named Garrett Cole. Um, is he worth – does that sound about right? Like a blockbuster starter, ace guy, uh, bringing her over under up three and a half games? Uh, yeah, I actually think it's probably more. Uh, Garrett Cole was amazing last year. Uh, I think Mike Stanton is already – Giancarlo Stanton has already been mentioned he's going to start the year on the D or the IL. Like I said, this is more not player centered. This is more like just looking at what they did in the off season, looking at the trajectory of the franchises. Once the season starts, we're going to go into more like player specific based on what we saw in spring training, what, you know, clear pictures of, of, of you know, Hey, guy X guy, Y. Um, so yeah, those are great questions that we'll definitely 
dive deeper into once we, um, you know, get closer to the year. I just want to look at this more as a macro. But yeah, that, that's probably I, I would actually say he's probably worth four or five if I had to look up his war. If only I had the internet right in front of me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know his war last year was something absurd. He he was honestly. And did you see what he did after um, the the World Series last year? He he took off his Astros hat and you know what hat he put on? No, Scott Boris. Yes, he did. He put on okay, Scott yeah, Boris. Yeah. Yeah, he put on a Scott Boris hat. So, uh, yeah, so his war was 6.9 last year, 5.2 the year before. So that's quite literally wins above uh, replacement level. And right. so, so yeah, he really is, is more of an impact in those three games. Uh, oh, my God, Rob, you're going to talk me into betting the Yankees over. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I, and that's what I love about that stat of wars because that's really how you look at players, wins above the, the average player. You know, and, and uh, yeah, so so, yeah, those are good points. But let's move on to the AL West because um, I want to keep relatively brief. But, you know, I, I can get on tangents. Uh, the, the AL West, um, the Angels uh, are 85 and a half wins. Uh, last year, they were expected to win 82 games. They won 72. Um, they have pitch, pitching issues. Um, obviously they lost a, a player last year, which is just, I don't know, just the human element of losing a teammate midseason. I, I mean, baseball is such a mental game to begin with. I don't know how you deal with that. I think that had a major factor of what they were doing. Um, but they, they made a, a, a huge addition getting, uh, Tony two bags, Anthony Rendon from the Nats. I mean, they're freaking, their offense is loaded and they have pitching issues, but I think they made some kind of quality low, um, Low-key pickups. Obviously, I'm a Dylan Bundy lifer, uh, but you know, I, I and you know they have deep pockets as well. So let's say they're contending mid-year, they can add. You know, they kind of have that blank checkbook. Um, you know, with their their ownership. Next being the A's, they're a really solid team. Last year they won 97 games um, with a projection last year of 81.5. This year they're projected to win 89 and a half. Um, obviously some regression built in, but still really solid team. I think they are getting like two or three pitchers back from injury and suspension. Uh, they could really easily win the division, uh, especially given the Astros, uh, question marks. Um, but this is like you just said, this is just a franchise that don't like to bet against. Right. So if I had to pick an over, under, I would take, take them, in a, uh, with the over, uh, the Mariners, uh, they were last year. They were expected to win 73 and a half games end up winning 68 but that really doesn't do the the picture uh, or paint that the, the clearest picture last year they were 13 and 2 to start the year and then they went 55 and 92 so they they played 37 percent ball uh after the 15th game of the year so this is a team that they have one of the most active GMs in baseball, and I've already read reports. So they didn't make any additions to the team last year. They're trying to kind of develop their guys from AAA, and they have a decent farm system. But uh, the rest of their division has has realistic. I think the Rangers probably don't have a realistic chance to make the playoffs, but but they're they're also like a, a middling 500 team. But the Mariners have like no chance. And 67 and a half games. I mean, that, that isn't a lot of games, but they're just talent level last year uh, coming into this year, making no additions. And they're trying to get rid of two salaries with uh, Gordon and and Seager. So that's only going to hurt the team in the short term. So this team has no incentive to improve mid year is kind of what I'm getting at. Now, of course, if some stud they have, 
uh, you know, the Myers comes up and, and produces, I mean, that, that you just live with that. But they also have no incentive to bring that guy up until at least June to stop the service clock. Um, but, yeah, so this is definitely one I'm looking to take the under with the Mariners. Um, and it's more not just them being bad, but their division being good. Next being the Rangers. They got a new ballpark. They're still away, uh, probably a year away from serious contention. John Daniels, a fellow of Delta Chi, is their GM. Uh, so I, I do have a soft spot for them, but they're just on paper. They're they're just a very average to slightly below average team, which you know they have a 79 and a half uh, over under. Last year they won 78 games. They were expected to win 71. Um, you know they, they also started the year really hot. In the last two two uh, months of the season, they didn't do so well. And that that does I do look at that somewhat just to kind of get a direction of what they're going into next year. And then lastly, the team in Houston, everyone's favorite, bang, 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 the uh, Houston Astros. Uh, I don't know how you view this team. Uh, Rob, you played, you played more baseball than I, I've played my fair share. It is such a mental fuck of a game. Uh, I can only imagine being a professional athlete trying to play it, let alone being a professional athlete with a legitimate target on your back. Um, Vegas is putting out props on like how many Astros are going to get hit, who's going to be the first one to get hit. Like it's just going to be a circus of a year. Um, Dusty Baker is their new manager, uh, which kind of like goes against everything they do. Obviously they were, they were too analytical in terms of cheating. Uh, but Dusty Baker is like a, a player's manager, like a very feel gut guy where, you know, it's just, it's just very confusing. How do you judge how good they are? I, I don't think you can. Because maybe maybe this didn't affect them at all, and they actually are a really really great team. Maybe this affected them a lot. It's probably obviously somewhere in the middle, but you can't gauge it. Um, they're expected to win 94 and a half games. Last year they won 107, uh, despite their over under being 96 and a half. This is just going to be a really interesting season. I, I like I said, I don't know how you play baseball with you know every road game people booing you. Uh, yeah, it's going to be fun to watch. Uh, there's obviously a probably 20 to 30% range of outcome where they just like, you know, band together like the Patriots and just fucking destroy everyone. I think they have the talent in them to do that, but that's a lot of ifs. So I'm just going to be staying, staying away from that. Um, but yeah, as far as the AL West, I like, uh, Mariner or Mariners under, uh, and another thing is since we're wrapping up the AL, I think a great way to bet this is taking these like fringe teams that are like kind of to make the playoffs kind of not in this like no man's land and betting them no to make the playoffs. So you have to win your division or be the best two teams outside of your division winners. So right now I can tell you the Astros and and the Yankees, you know, the Yankees are, are in the playoffs. There's a hundred percent. I'd say the Astros, whether it's the wild card or winning the division, they, they have so much talent. They will make the playoffs 90, 80% of the time. So and then between the A's and, and Tampa, uh, one of those teams will make the playoffs uh, a good amount of times. They both make the playoffs. So really that leaves like one team between the the White Sox, Indians, um, you know, Rangers, Angels, uh, you know, white, you know, the, these kind of Jays, Toronto Blue Jays teams where you can kind of bundle those teams together and you're going to go at most likely four and one betting the no for them to make the playoffs, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's just an angle of knowing the playoff system, knowing the Yankees are going to win the AL East. It's very unlikely that they and even if they don't win it, the only way they don't win it is that the Rays just go psycho. And that means the Yankees are still going to take a playoff spot being the wild card. 
Um, so that's two of the five, you know, taken for, uh, the twins win the division a healthy amount of times, uh, you know, things of that nature. So, so yeah, it's just kind of, that's just a different way of, of deriving based on what the market's telling you of ways to bet. So it's like taking the no, will this team make the playoffs shopping around at the best place? Cause not all, not everywhere offers that, but, um, you know, just a different way of betting it, if that makes sense. Um, it does. Okay, good. Are you ready to move for some National League uh, East baseball there, Rob? No, dude. I'm, I'm sticking on this Astros thing. So the I will refrain from uh, from you know Stephen A. Smith ass commentary, but the 19 2019 over under for the Astros 96 and a half. 2020 94 and a half. That's shocking to see, but I, hearing you talk through it, it makes sense. We're talking about 162 games of baseball. This is still like they are who they are, right? They lost Garrett Cole, and yep. it's it very much feels like headline risk, right? That you know, I I, I scrolled to this part of the uh, the numbers that you put together, thinking that we would see like a I don't know six or eight game regression, just based on like oh god, bad momentum, bad news, but it's not like this doesn't budget that much, right? There's there's so much there's so much season. And you just put the players out there and, and project forward, and it's like, nah, this is maybe a couple of wins, right? That's wild to me, yeah, but it makes yeah. sense. Yeah, absolutely. And also kind of look at that division, and you see the Angels, hey, they had 72 wins last year, but they're expected 85 and a half wins this year. So that's, mm-hmm. you know, 13 wins right there in the divisions that, that's going somewhere. Um, you know, you and you also have to look from the expectation from last year to this year. Um, so the Rangers, their expectation is up uh, eight. Uh, you know, the Angels, they're up three. The A's, they're up eight. The Mariners are down six, but that's still a net of like what, 14, 15 wins. You know, the, those it's it's a zero sum game. You know, so they have to come from somewhere. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's where and that's really where I love the stimulating aspect, the mental stimulating aspect of looking through this because. Um, you know, this is a marketplace. This, these aren't these are numbers that are coming from nowhere. That you know, people are putting serious, serious money behind it. There's got to be a reason. Um, you know, I, I remember listening to a Tim Ferriss podcast, and we were like, um, you know, the world makes sense. It's your understanding of it that does yeah, that's wrong. You know, it's a lot of times you look at it. You know, what, what's what? You know, and now that's how kind of how you have to look. Is what am I missing here? You know. And uh, another thing I just heard on a sports betting podcast was you should make a, a, a case for both sides of a bet. And then it's almost like a jury. You know, you take it to court and say, OK, well, here's the case on this side, because there are people on the other side betting that it's not like, you know, 100 percent of the people are, are betting on the side you're betting. There's somewhere between, you know, 30 to 70 percent of the people on the other side. Uh, you know, there's a reason for it. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I think it's, it's a really good thought exercise and, and very stimulating, which is why I, I love it. Um, but yeah, moving to National League, uh, the, the senior circuit, as they call it, when men were men, uh, the NL East, uh, the NL East might be the best division in baseball, uh, certainly the most competitive. Uh, the Braves who won it last year, they're ex- uh, expected to win 91 and a half games. Uh, they won 97 last year. Really good team, really young. Um, like I said, this team can do a lot right and still regress from last year. It's just they had such a good year. 
Um, and it's also they didn't have the target on their back. If you look at last year's expectations, the Phillies were expected to win 89 games. The Nats were expected to win 89 games. The Braves were only expected to win 86. The Mets were expected to win 85 and a half. So now with that target on your back, um, that does make a difference. It, re- it really does. Um, so, yeah, that, that'll be interesting to see. I, I do think this is a, an extremely talented team. Acuna Jr. is, a, is legitimately a, just a, a joy to watch play baseball. Uh, but, but yeah, that's just something to detract for the year. Uh, the nationals, um, were just a freaking awesome year last year. Uh, we obviously had that world series bet and national league championship bet, which was great. I thought a lot of people were following along with that. We had a lot of fun pressure is totally off with them, but they did lose Rendon, uh, Max Scherzer, all these guys got another year older, uh, could take a toll on them. But that being said that they had so much fun last year. I mean, uh, and we're going to talk about this with the, the Phillies, but I mean, Harper virus is a real thing. Like Bryce Harper is a fucking douchebag and he just, I don't know. I, I remember laughing at Nats fans, even when they would have better, better records than the Orioles like every year. But even last year, not even having money on it, just like following the team. And I also love Max Scherzer, but um, following, following the team is just fun. They just love, you know, playing with one another and just, yeah. It, so, so, you know, it wouldn't um, surprise me if they had a great year. Um, but but they are getting a year older and, and their their window is definitely closing if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Mets 85 and a half uh, last year 86 and a half uh, expectation this year they won 86 last year they made moves to compete. Um, you know they didn't trade away their their core pieces they have good pitching decent hitting uh, picked up Baten, uh, Dylan Batendis from uh, the Yankees. Uh, you know that they, they're competing they're going for it. Um, the Phillies, uh, kind of the Phillies might be the odd man out. Uh, the more I look at this and the more research I do last year, they had a lot of high expectations, you know, one being Bryce Harper getting that 13 year deal. Um, they had a horrible bullpen last year. I know a lot of that was because of the injuries, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of talent there, but there's also a lot of expectations last year. They were expected to win 89 games, only won 81, this year they're winning 80, uh, expected to win 84 and a half games. That's fourth in the division. You know that 84 and a half. That's over 500, and that's still fourth in the division in terms of expectations. These win, you know, it's a zero sum game. 47% of your your games are within your division. You know, where are these wins coming from? Um, lastly, but certainly least, uh, the Marlins. Uh, last year I had a bet on the under for this. For this reason that we just mentioned, which was the division being so good, wins got to come from from somewhere. Uh, this team is still pretty bad, still young, but they picked up a lot of veterans this year. Now that might be to sell at the deadline, but they they made a lot of acquisitions. And you just look at their their lineup. Last year it was legitimately looked like a Triple A lineup. Now they've got guys, um, you know, one through five that are true major league. Uh, hitters their pitching has got good young talent now they they never will be aces but they're good three four back of the rotation guys um you know i very well you know i i just had a we talked beforehand i very well respect better talked about betting the over for this team so i'm going to be looking in this division for the under maybe on the phillies and maybe maybe the uh, probably not the over on the marlins i'll probably just pass but, uh, but yeah, I, I can see myself getting talked into a Mets under maybe, but, but maybe the Phillies. And it's just, it's just easy to root against Philadelphia and, and, and Harper and the Phillies in general. So uh, I'm going to do more research on that. But the biggest thing to note is, is 
in the National League, the big, the big favorite is the Dodgers, and they're, they're the best team in baseball, I think. But the next three closest, or in terms of odds-wise, contenders for the National League are the Braves, Nationals, and the Mets. So it's just letting you know how good this division is. And, you know, they, these are, you know, three of the best, probably seven to eight teams in baseball, all in the same division. Uh, and the, the win's got to come from somewhere. Uh, moving to the NL Central, uh, we had it, we had uh, two teams make the playoffs this year, last year out of this division. The Cubs, most of the year, looked like they were going to make the playoffs. They kind of choked at the end. Um, they were expected to win 87 and a half games last year. They only won 84. I think they went two and ten or two and eight in the last ten games to kind of choke it away. Um, they have a new manager this year. They got rid of Joe Madden. They got uh, Ross, David Ross, their former catcher. It's the second year of no major additions, like via free agency or trades. They're they're aging core. They have, they're still talent there, but they're you know their pitching is like John Lester and some of these guys. And, um, it's kind of like best kept secret is Chris Bryant is going to be traded away soon. Uh, team is still good, but there's a lot of plausible ways they could have a down year. So their their arrow is still is definitely going down. Uh, the Brewers, the Brewers are just this small market team where you know you can only have a certain amount of years of having a window and, and they're definitely past their prime they might be in their last year of, of their um, window with christian yelich former Maryland prospect um and uh you know him being an mvp caliber player but they lost their catcher they're losing some pitching uh it's just hard for these smaller market teams to have these large windows they're definitely with a down arrow the only team i have with an up arrow here is the reds uh, they're the only team trending up in this division. Ownership committed to competing now. They signed three of their top five hitters, so externally. But their their lineup's going to have their leadoff hitter, and I think their four and five hitter are guys they signed. So they signed um, uh, this Japanese leadoff hitter who's an OPB monster, so gets on base. Second hitter is going to be Joey Votto, who they've had forever. He can't really hit that much, but he's a, he's also an on-base percentage monster. Uh, then they signed um, the outfielder from who was with the um, Tigers to begin with, uh, was with the Cubs and killed it, Nick, whatever his name is, uh, really, really good hitter. And then they signed another hitter, I forget who, but uh, oh yeah, Moustakis, Mike Moustakis at third base. So they really improved, uh, and it's just showing that they're committing to winning now. Um, so this is a team in the up direction. I'll, I'll probably be taking the over on them. Um, and then the Cardinals, they won the division last year. They're another solid team. Uh, last year they won 91 games. This year they're expected to win 87.5. They were expected to win 88.5. They'll be somewhere around there. Uh, they're a well-rounded team, but they're not they're not you know elite-level uh, team. The Pirates, uh, second half of the year last year, they were terrible. They're, they just cleaned house, general manager, coach, all these things. They were, they were having fights internally in terms of the, uh, um, the, the team. Their they're like best player, their closer, was like arrested for, I think, it was either domestic violence or like, uh, like child rape or something of that nature. Like he was dating like a 13-year-old or something of that nature. It was just like bad news bears all, all over with the Pirates. So my biggest bet that I'm going to make, uh, I'm just shopping around for the best price, but uh, is the Pirates under for the year. I think this is just year one of a rebuild, a major, major rebuild. Uh, right now I'm seeing about 70 wins. Um, yeah, I'm going to fire away on that. So if you take one thing from this podcast, it's, it's Pirates under. Uh, but yeah, 
Anything before we finish out with the NL West there, Rob? Yeah, I think you mentioned you were talking about the NL on the whole and the four best teams being Dodgers and then the three best in the East, Braves, yeah. Nats, right. Mets. It right. looks like the Cards maybe have one game on over-under over the Mets, but maybe the Mets are preferred for playoffs despite being in the East, which is harder. Right. So so this is a product of you playing in your division. So if you look, I know, you know this is bad radio because the <laughs> listeners can't see this, but so the Cardinals over under is 87 and a half, whereas the Mets is 86 and a half. But if you look at the, the, the pennant odds, the pennant odds for the Cardinals are 10, uh, almost 11 to one, whereas for the Mets, they're 9.7. And that's exactly for what you just said. Um, you know, first of all, you play 47 percent of your games in your division. So because the Cardinals, they have more regular season wins expected because they're playing a weaker division. But ha- if those two teams, based on their power rankings right now, were to play on a playoff series, the Mets would be favored. So that's mm-hmm. why their price is less. Yep, absolutely. It's a very um, good good catch by you. Um, and that's just the market telling us that. You know, that's what's so fun about this is once you once you are able to spot these indicators, that's a story that these numbers can tell you. You know what I mean? And uh, I just think that's that's why I'm trying to share this. And I know a lot of people are is going to go over people's heads, but it really is, you know, a higher way of looking at this and, and inferring things from from what the market is telling you. And it's mm-hmm. really a, a great way to improve your handicapping. Um, finally, NL West. All you need to know is the Dodgers will win this. I am seriously contemplating finding the best number on them preseason to win the division, like minus 500. So essentially, uh, I'd have to put like $500 down to win $100. Um, you know, every, the biggest argument I hear that from people is like, oh, well, you know, you have your money tied up for six months. And it's like, well, um, that's like what, a 20%, you know, uh, return that probably happens 97, 98% of the time. I mean, I, I don't know. I, for six months, I think that's pretty good. Uh, this is a mega team. They were the best team in baseball last year and they added David price and, um, this guy, Mookie Betts who is, Mookie? My, fav- is my favorite name ever. Uh, Mookie Betts just, yeah. So this team is unreal. They are on a mission to win the world series for Jack Greenspan's sanity this year. Um, uh, yeah, this team, I, I actually hope they, they somehow suck at the beginning of the year so I can get a better price, but I, I will have some portion of them to win their division at the beginning of the year. And, and like a sick guy, hope they suck at the beginning of the year so I can get more down on it at a better price. Um, the only team I would probably make an, an argument that they could win to, to could win this division would be the Padres, just because they have a ton of young talent. If the stars were to align, they could they could easily win 90 plus um, with the Manny Machado. They have one of the best farm systems in baseball. But guess what? So do the Dodgers. <laughs> um, yeah, so so I, I don't know about um, uh, you know the, the Padres are, are one of those teams where there's no real direct. I don't want to say no no incentive to, to compete this year because there obviously is, but the future is bright for them. So even if they have to wait another year, they know they're not going to win the division. So realistically, the wild card is what they're going to play for. So they're not going to sell out to flip a coin in the wild card. They they understand that. Um, AJ Preller, also a uh, Delta Chi GM of the Padres, understands that I'm not going to sell out to. Uh, you know, flip a coin in a wild card game, and that's all it is. When you're a smaller market team, you're, you just can't do that. That's just, it's just not. It's idiotic. I mean, right now they have like a six to seven year window where this is probably year one. There's no, there's no reason to 
shorten that window by a year or two to make those, you know, just just to win a wild card game. Mm-hmm. I, I would at least wait another year or two, let some of the Dodgers players get a little bit older, um, even though they do have a bomb farm system. But yeah. Um, a team I would like to bet the under on is the Giants. Uh, first year under a new manager, uh, Bruce Bochy, legendary manager. Uh, they have no realistic shot at winning. Um, that, I mean, this team is bad. The only reason I don't want, I, I'm probably not going to take the under is because the Rockies are sitting there at 73 and a half for, for their over under. Uh, the, the, like I said, the Giants are 68 and a half. I usually try to just find that box bottom feeder type team that's by themselves where the Rockies are only five games expected more. Um, there is some incentive with the Rockies to keep Arenado, uh, only Arenado happy, but the team is bad. And let's say I got off to a slow start. They could trade him very easily. And then lastly, the Diamondbacks. Did you know Madison Bumgarner is a Diamondback there, Rob? I did. I had forgotten, but I, I did know that. Yeah, it's kind of badass. He, he talked about loving the rodeo and and phoenix in general so i think that'd be a great great reality show mm-hmm. um this team has an extremely narrow range of outcomes relatively um they're not rebuilding but they're also just not like an elite team in terms of you know they just have very steady players um this team is just going to hover around 500 or just above 500 most of the year um yeah and they're not catching the dodgers they're just not Dodgers are better at probably eight of the nine positions uh, in pretty much every pitcher as well. Um, but yeah, so that that's just a quick little uh, overview. I know that was dense. What my hope is, and it's really my hope when I listen to any podcast, is just take one or two nuggets. But I hope whomever is listening can take one or two things that principally that we took or we talked about here and try to just think about sports a little bit differently and think about betting a little bit differently. Um, the biggest things with baseball, like I said, 47% of your games are against your division, 40%. So that's four teams are, are 47% of your games, which, you know, that's insane to me. Um, and then 40% of your games are against the, the rest of the teams in your league. So that's 10 other teams. Uh, and then 13% are against the other league, the interleague play, which varies, so it's an unbalanced schedule. But, yeah, 47% of your, your games are against four teams, the four teams in your division. So it's just something to think about and why it's important to know the rules. Um, it's also important to know the playoff structure. You know, yeah, it's a 162-game season, but, you know, the wild card's one game. The, um, you know, the first round, which is, this is what happened to the Dodgers last year, the first round is five-game series. Every team loses three games in a season. Every team wins three games in a series. The freaking Orioles won three games last year. You know, the Tigers with 47 games. I'm going to look up right now. There's probably a chance they didn't win three games. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but, but I mean, you know what I mean? Baseball is just so random. So we're going to try to embrace that randomness. Um, anything, anything you take, you know, maybe a summary for a takeaway that maybe you learned or you maybe can share with the listeners as I look up this uh, fake news stat with the Tigers for last year, Rob? Yeah, uh, I got one really dumb analogy, which is the only thing from the NFL preseason episode that I couldn't forget is the tightness of the range of outcomes for the Tennessee Titans. And now I'm thinking about franchise synergies between the, the Diamondbacks of Phoenix, Arizona, and the the Tennessee Titans of Nashville, Tennessee, range of outcomes sticking in like a you know a narrow range, maybe sneaking the playoffs. Who's our Derrick Henry is my question. 
Um, <laughs> I don't know. Madison Bumgarner is goddamn Derrick Henry written all over him. Um, all right, here's your stat. Last year, the uh, Tigers won five games in a row. They were seven and three, ten games into the season. They only won 40 of their next 152 games. <laughs> Baseball is random.com. Let's not forget it. Uh, I love it. That's a, that'll be a good thing to think about like 10 games into this season, right? Because yeah. everyone's going to pull up exactly what happened in the first 10 games. Who's really hot? Who looks great? And it's going to be yes. complete trash, complete yes. noise. Yeah. And like, what do we say about the Mariners, right? They were 13 and two from the first uh, 13 and two from the first 15 games and then played 37% ball the rest of the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see quickly. 40 divided by 152 is 26% ball. The Tigers played the rest of the year. Holy moly. Um, <laughs> after playing 70% the first first 10 games. Mm-hmm. Baseball is so darn random. But yeah, that, that concept of range of outcomes, you know, you sent me a thing with what was that from the blackjack book or some, something about that is just understanding that these tail events. Uh, sorry, I'm flexing because I'm reading skin in the game right now um, from from our boy Taleb. But uh, yeah, you know, some things that you see are just really tail, uh, uh, you know, outcomes. Speaking of that, I was just listening to um, a college basketball podcast. And this is what we'll, since we talk so much about baseball today, uh, this is all I'll leave you with for college basketball. So this guy was showing us um, the last 30 years, there was a criteria where all but one of the last 30, excuse me, all but, yeah, excuse me, all but one of the last 30 champions in college basketball, they've met these six criterias. One was like a, a coach has been past the Sweet 16, um, you know, the team has more uh, assists than turnovers, blah, blah, blah. And they said all, you know, 30 of the last champions all met this criteria, except for 2014 when UConn, you know, made this magical run with Shabazz Napier, and it was 2014 when I had I lost so much money on that, and I just fucking grinded my teeth, and I was like, goddamn fucking tail outcome that that was. But in another way, it made me feel good because I realized that I lost so much money on a really black swan event. Like I, I rem- it was a first year coach who won it, who is now not even coaching. I got to fucking look up this asshole's name because he was such a bad coach. And I remember being like, there's no way they win this uh, coach after Oh, Kevin O, oh, yeah, Kevin O'Neilly or something of that nature. Um, coach after Jim Calhoun. But yeah, and I remember just being like, this doesn't make any sense. But at the end of the day, you know, life is unpredictable. Um, Listeners, if you spend enough time around around uh, our dear leader, Jay Swa, you will find him in front of a television or computer screens screaming about the world not making any fucking sense. I assure you, you will find this. Kevin Ollie, dude. Kevin Ollie. That's his, this asshole's name. And I remember because after he won the national championship, they almost were like, "Oh, is he gonna go to the? Is he gonna go coach the Lakers? This guy's like so good, dude. Like this guy's so good, man. This guy's awesome. I mean, I look. I, Wikipedia says, yeah, he hasn't coached since 2018. Yeah, this fucking asshole sucks. Anyways, but yeah, yes, it's not that life's not making sense. It's just it's a it's a it's a rant. It's it's like a a tail outcome. It's a very low percentage thing that's that we're seeing it's like why can't we just run this simulation more times but hey that's for another podcast um anything Fresh. before we let <laughs> anything before we let the uh, listeners return to their their lives uh were you gonna do any college basketball stuff or was that it 
that was it. We, we spent a lot of time on this. I don't want to make this any longer. Here's my college basketball two cents. It is going to be a freaking random March. Uh, I will quickly say the teams I've bet futures on, uh, but it's all about price. It's not about really the teams as much. Uh, I took Louisville a couple weeks back, 22 to one, took Oregon at 50 to one, took uh, Texas Tech at 55 to one teams. I, who I am shopping there for their prices uh, kind of maybe waiting for them for a, a downspin are Michigan, Arizona, Kentucky. Um, there's another team. Fuck. And Virginia. Virginia. Yeah. Virginia. Yeah. So those teams, I am looking at their prices and I will probably bet some of them, but of course, waiting for the right price. And, and here's the other part I might just wait till the bracket comes out. Because inevitably, there's going to be one bracket that's really strong. There's going to be two brackets that are going to be like eh, medium, and then there's going to be one really weak ass bracket, and we're gonna we're gonna be able to exploit some things with that. So, so I'm excited. I think chaos is a good thing. Maybe I should read anti-fragile, uh, anti-fragility there uh, by Taleb after this one to kind of embrace the chaos and, and uh, you know find some outlier events and um, you know hopefully not scream at Kevin Ollie. Uh, you're, you know. <laughs> you're gonna be coaching against him in middle school basketball within the next decade Mark oh yeah dude we are champions well i was assistant coach this year but i'm officially now the head coach we'll be undefeated second year in a row i didn't coach last year so i can't take that brag but yeah undefeated we won two seconds left or by two points um our guys took a charge they didn't call it called it a block guy missed uh, two free throws because ball don't lie with 0.4 seconds left. We win the championships. Kind of, kind of chill, bro. Kind of chill. Love it. Uh, but yeah, I guess I'll see you and everyone else in about two, two and a half weeks for our March Madness podcast. That's going to be a mega podcast. I'm gonna, I'm even gonna promote it. I'm gonna put it on Instagram.com, Twitter.com, all these websites. Mega. All right, I'll see everyone uh, in a couple weeks. Peace. Peace.